Welcome to the ITSP Magazine Podcast Network. You are about to listen to the After 40 Podcast with Dr. Deborah Heiser. Whether you're seeking inspiration, guidance, or a fresh perspective on the rich possibilities life offers after 40, this podcast is your go-to source. Hello and welcome back to After 40. My name is Deborah Heiser and I'm an applied developmental psychologist. And if this is your first time joining, I hope you'll take a listen to the previous episodes. And if you've listened to the previous, I'm excited to share today with you. Today is talking about how we use storytelling as a compass. And this is very important to people who are 40 and older because we were raised on stories. We were raised on storytelling. Most of us don't put it together, myself included, until I hit midlife. How important some of those early stories were in shaping us uh, into who we become as adults. And now in midlife, we find ourselves telling stories to others, and that can shape their lives. So here's what I'm talking about. It's National Mentoring Month, and so I wanted to talk today about my grandfather. His name was Charles S. Crook II, and he was a decorated captain in the Army in World War II. He's now buried in Arlington Cemetery. And when I was five, my grandfather used to make a tradition to pick me up in his big 1970s Cadillac convertible, and he would take me out to run errands with him. I was the only, um, I was the oldest grandchild and the only one who was five. And that was the age that he thought it was appropriate to be able to bring a child around to do errands with him and spend some real quality time with him each week. So we, we lived in Des Moines, Iowa, and we would ride around town. He was a big guy. He was about six feet tall, and he had a really booming voice. He would have had a great radio voice. Um, he also had a real swagger to him. He wasn't anybody's fool. So he wasn't a warm and fuzzy guy, um, but he and I understood each other, and we went out on the errands together each week, um, and it was a real treat. So as we drive around town, we would drive by people who were walking along the street, people who were going about their business, and we'd be driving from destination to destination. And he would tell me stories about the people we were passing. He'd say, do you see that man over there on the right? You know, the one walking fast, that guy. His wife chewed him him out about five minutes ago for forgetting to bring home the dry cleaning. He's mad as hell right now at her and he's walking it off so he can cool off before he gets home because she's one nasty lady. So I would listen to this and I'd think, wow, how does he know this about this guy? And then a bit later, we'd pass by another person. This person was sitting on the bench. See Mary over there on the bench? She raised two girls. They went to college and Mary made it happen for them. Her husband ran out on them when they were young. She had a super hard life. 
Um, but she made it happen for her girls. My grandpa never ran out of stories about the people we'd pass. And these conversations made me see him as, um, you know, somebody who was giving me information about each people, each person that we passed. And I saw these people as more than just the impression that I saw on the outside. Every person had an inner story, whether or not he was telling me the truth, which I think he was making up these stories the whole time. Um, but basically I learned from listening to these stories was that you can't judge a book by a cover that everyone has a story. And he made me start to see people as people. And I always wondered what their story was. So grandpa was a guy who followed his beliefs to the end. And he taught me at an early age to follow my convictions, regardless of what others think. And I don't say that lightly because my grandfather was white. My gra grandfather was a Catholic from Baltimore. And he um, went out with me um, every week. This guy who lived with my white grandmother, raising six kids in Iowa after the war, um, and he would take me out on his errands, and part of the errands were um, go going out to places that maybe he wasn't always welcome. And let me tell you a little bit about that. He moved to Iowa and found that he didn't like the discrimination that he faced. He didn't like that people weren't all um, accepting, um, you know, with Catholicism. Um, he didn't like the race issues that were being brought up. He found it all to be intolerable. Um, so by the time he started to take me out on his errands, he was entrenched in the civil war, the civil rights movement. And he was the president of the Des Moines chapter of the NAACP. So he wasn't liked by everybody, is how I'll just say it. Um, each week, we would stop for breakfast at the local pan pancake shop. That was our first stop on our trip out to do all the errands. And the place was named Sambo's, of all names. Um, and I noticed as a kid that people wouldn't sit next to us. Most of the people said rude things to him. They gave both of us dirty looks as we ate our pancakes. And so it wasn't a pleasant experience for me. On one occasion, and I think it was our last time going there, the waitress used to water down our orange juice. And it may seem like nothing to some people, like big deal, but it bothered him. He didn't want his orange juice watered down. And when I say watered down, it was like, clear with a tinge of orange. Um, so he complained to the waitress. And um, when she said she wasn't going to make a change in it, that's how the orange juice was. And he would say, well, I'm looking around and I see that nobody else's orange juice is clear. Um, he said, I'd like to speak with the manager. So the manager came over to our table and he reported the orange juice. So I'm sitting there thinking, oh, okay, so this is getting resolved. So we poured the glass and it was a half a glass of orange juice. And then he took the orange juice pitcher away and he filled the rest of the glass all the way to the top with water. And then he just walked away. So during all of these 
errands and trips out with my grandpa, going to the post office, stopping in his office or going to the grocery store. And of course, the pancake breakfast. He never told me he was involved in the civil rights movement. I just thought that people didn't like him. I didn't understand why. And I couldn't understand why we were getting all these negative responses from people for just walking in and going places. But what I did take in during our weekly time together was that he didn't care that the rude people didn't like him. It didn't bother him. Maybe it really did and he just didn't show it. But for a while, I didn't like him either. I thought, why are, why are you taking me out to these places and people hate us? I felt completely uncomfortable with the waitress giving dirty looks. I didn't like any of it. I, was, I wanted to be a little kid that people would say, oh, look at your granddaughter. And that didn't happen when we went out. Um, so, and even people would say things under their breath as we passed by. Um, because a lot of people really didn't like him uh, for what he was doing um, in the community. So for a while, I didn't want to go out on errands with him. I would tell my mom, I, I don't want to go. Don't make me go. And every week we would go out together. And the peak of my feeling embarrassed was when his neighbors from his really nice middle-class neighborhood that was across the street from the golf course talked about him at the park and the kids talked to him about, about him in school because he would be on the news periodically. And they would say, oh, he's integrating the neighborhood. He's integrating the church. I had no idea what integrating was, but I, I certainly didn't like it at the time. I thought, what in the world is he doing? And I realized it certainly wasn't popular. So I wrestled with knowing that he cared about people but I knew that he wasn't doing something that people liked and I had to sort of figure it all out. So I was really sort of learning my grandfather's story in the same way that he was talking about the complexities of the stories of the people that we were passing by, that it isn't always what it seems on the outside. So over time, I understood and learned that he was helping people. I understood and learned what the word integrating means. Um, he also never let those who didn't like him stop him from pursuing his beliefs. So because of that, I was able to see his story unfold. People didn't like him. He was on the news. People were talking about him in a negative way. But I was able to see over time that the changes were actually okay and that there was a new group of people who did like him. There, there was a group of people who welcomed him, who wanted him to come around, who thought that he was doing good work. And I got to meet those people. So I, I saw that change isn't easy, um, but that he was able to find a group of people who really cared about his what he was doing and who he was. So his guidance over the years showed me that if you want to change something, you have to speak and you have to act and it won't be comfortable. And you have to sort of keep on going. Hoping and wishing and complaining won't work. And that we need to see the outside um, world and realize that that may not be what's on the inside of a person. There's a bigger picture. So my grandpa's long gone. 
but I still hear his voice on my shoulder telling me there's a story in every person. Every person matters. Um, and that people are complex. So he is probably one of the reasons why I became a psychologist, probably why I married a psychologist. And he's probably one of the reasons I've advocated for aging for more than two decades. He passed his torch on to me and I will pass that on to my children. And storytelling is just one of those things that can provide insights into human experiences. And so I'm hoping that this story highlights how stories can inspire and motivate people. And you probably have a million people in your life who've done that for you. And it's just really fun to be able to think about them and acknowledge them. And also to take an opportunity to pass on your stories to somebody else, because what might seem like a small story might change the life or the trajectory of another person. So I, I thank you for being here with me today to hear my story and how that changed the trajectory of my life with my first mentor, my grandfather. And I hope that you'll join again next week for the next episode of After 40. Take care. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the After 40 podcast with Dr. Deborah Heiser, part of the ITSP Magazine Podcast Network. If you learned something new and this conversation made you think, then add this show to your favorite podcast player, subscribe to the ITSP Magazine YouTube channel, and share the ITSP Magazine Podcast Network with your friends, family, and colleagues. If you represent a company and wish to connect your brand to our conversations and our audience, visit itspmagazine.com to learn how to sponsor one or more of our podcast channels. We hope you will come back for more stories and follow us on our journey.